I'm Kelsey Ryder. I'm Natalia Raymond. And this is Angelinos in Training, a podcast for people curious about Los Angeles by people who live in Los Angeles. So whether you're moving here, new to the area, or just want to better understand LA, we're here to help you navigate the city of angels. Welcome back to another episode of Angelinos in Training. Today we have an exciting little mix-up in the format. Some people have expressed some interest in hearing more of the history of Los Angeles. So Natalia has done all of this research completely on her own, specifically on Hollywood. She even gently forbade me from looking at the episode outline (laughs) so um, I could be surprised with all the facts and um, tidbits that she's going to present to us today. So I'm super excited um, to hear uh, everything that she has researched. And yes, what was the process like of doing all that research and knowing I'm not gonna know anything (laughs) going into it? It was super fun. So um Like, like you said, the topic of this episode is going to be on the start of Hollywood. And I actually did a lot of the research on this topic a little over a year ago when I was starting to work as a tour guide in Los Angeles. Oh, and yeah. I, I loved learning about all of this history. We had like a, I don't know, 20-page uh, script <laughs> that we had to learn for our tours. Oh, my gosh. And I felt like that wasn't enough. I wanted to know even really? more. And so about a year ago, I went on this big Hollywood history kick where I pretty much checked out every book in the library that I could find on Hollywood history. I read a whole bunch of them. And, That's um, awesome and I, adorable. <laughs> thanks, nerd. <laughs> so I ended up just like trying to absorb all the Hollywood history that I could get And then now when we started doing the podcast, I started looking into other non-book sources, internet, videos, documentaries, things like that. So I didn't just research for this in the past week. I've (laughs) I've been researching on this topic for a little while longer. And um, I just think it's super neat. And it's something that a lot of people, even people in the entertainment industry, don't know about. So I think it's it's yeah. nice that while we celebrate the entertainment industry all the time, it's nice to know where we came from. So uh, how did it all start? All right. So as many people know, uh, Los Angeles is the entertainment capital of the world. It's a mecca for TV, film, music, and other media. And a lot of people have this idea of old Hollywood Um, From watching old movies and seeing contemporary depictions like Ryan Murphy's Hollywood, which we talked about in the TV and film episode. But um, I really haven't seen that much out on the creation of Hollywood or the very, very start of the film industry. Now, just just to start off, I want to make sure people know what Hollywood actually is because it's kind of become (laughs) this catch-all term for like the entire entertainment industry. So. By definition, Hollywood is a neighborhood in central Los Angeles. Currently, it is not a city. It is a neighborhood. Hollywood has kind of become this symbol of of glamour, money, power, all these kinds of things. But it actually came from very, very humble beginnings. So we're going to go way, way back to the 1800s. That's where we're going to start. So back in the mid-1800s, what's Hollywood today was ranch land. 
So this, this was all farmland. So people were growing all kinds of plants, a lot of oranges, different kinds of crops. And so what is Hollywood today, this was a little agricultural community. It's so weird to think of it that way, you know, because you and I in particular are so familiar with how, like, urban it is Mm -hmm. and, and planned. Yeah. Yes. It was not super planned. This was like a this was like a frontier over here. So there were Ooh. all of these farmers. And actually the first structure in Hollywood was an adobe hut that was built in the mid 1800s. No. I don't think we can find any adobe in current day Hollywood, but No. No. <laughs> those were the beginnings, the beginnings. So over the next couple of decades, uh, what is now Hollywood became Cahuenga Valley, which was a farming community. Cahuenga mm-hmm. might sound very familiar. I'm sure that yeah. you've driven on the street called Cahuenga. We're going to hear a lot of names throughout all of this that are going to sound familiar. Right. We're going to hear about some people who different roads were named for, which I didn't know about before. So in 1883, one of the first uh, big people to develop Hollywood came to the area. So he was this real estate developer named Harvey Henry Wilcox. Oh, so Wilcox sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's the name of another road that's in the Hollywood area. Now, Mr. Wilcox, he was quite an interesting character. So he moved to Los Angeles, or I should say the present day Hollywood area, after he lost the use of his legs from a bout of typhoid fever. Oh, so he was he was this big real estate developer uh, further, further east And he Mm -hmm. thought, oh, I'm going to go west and I'm just going to kind of settle down a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to grow some plants. I'm going to become a rancher. I'm just going to I'm going to take care of myself, you know, focus on the simpler life. And so he came over here from Kansas and he envisioned a community that would be based on sober religious principles. He was a prohibitionist. <laughs> and so he visualized oh that, that present-day Hollywood was going to be this uh, s- sober farming community. <laughs> so he was trying to bring, like, the Puritan movement to the Hollywood neighborhood Basically. as we know it today. <laughs> Basically, which when you consider how much alcohol gets consumed in Hollywood is oh, yeah. quite hilarious. <laughs> All sorts of nefarious deeds occur especially on Hollywood Boulevard. I know, so. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so so this guy, Wilcox, he comes here and he bought 150 acres of land and he decided to try ranching, but he sucked at ranching. He was very <laughs> bad at it. So after a few years of that, uh, Wilcox was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something else. Ranching isn't for me. So in 1887, Wilcox filed plans with the Los Angeles County Recorder's Office to subdivide his land. So he's gonna start selling it off, make a little money that way. I guess he's he's still a real estate developer at heart. And sure. the the map he submitted to the office was the first document ever calling the land Hollywood. Really? Yeah. So in 1887. Oh. There was already a document calling the land in this area Hollywood. And we're going to get to um, why it was called that a little bit later. So the land got subdivided and um, more people started moving in. It became a very upscale community. Like a lot of um, Mm -hmm. more wealthy people started coming in, building their upscale homes. And because so many people were here, they decided to build a main road 
through the Hollywood area, through all this oh. ranch land. And it was called Prospect Avenue. Oh. <laughs> I bet you were thinking something else. I know. It, it was you were leading Pro- me down a different yeah, path. Yeah, it was called Prospect Avenue. So that became the major road. And so by the start of the 20th century, the area was starting to look more like a proper town. There were markets. Mm-hmm. There was a hotel. They had their own newspaper. They had a post office. But the Hollywood area w- felt very, very separated from Los Angeles. It was mm-hmm. about seven miles away, about seven to ten miles away. And pretty much if you lived in the Hollywood area, you never went to L.A. Right. And so L.A. at that time was considered like what we would think of downtown L.A. at this point. Yeah, it was pretty much yeah. in the downtown Los Angeles area. And okay. there was tons of farmland in between. And it took two hours to get between Hollywood wow. and Los Angeles by streetcar. So why would you go? Oh, my God. Yeah, right. If you don't have any business there, like that's that's a lot of time to commit. That's mm-hmm. like the like the Santa Clarita of Los Angeles now, or perhaps <laughs> I guess <laughs> something so. else. Yeah. So then, in 1902, the father of Hollywood arrived. The guy that really started getting Hollywood to be, um, you know, on the path of what it is today, and he was okay. a real estate developer named H. J. Whitley. Ah, Does okay. Whitley sound familiar? Yes, it does. Another, Another street in road. Hollywood. Yep. <laughs> and uh, there's also a neighborhood in present-day Hollywood called Whitley Heights. I don't know if you've heard of that oh, one. I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very, very upscale neighborhood by the hills. Okay. Fancy, fancy real estate. And H.J. Uh, Whitley, he had actually started more than 100 towns all across the country. So he oh, was wow. he was a very experienced guy. And so he came to Hollywood and he said, there's all this ranch land. There's all these farmers here. You know what? I'm going to develop this. We're going to become modern. And so he mm. paid for electric lighting all around the area. Mm-hmm. He brought gas and telephone lines. He built a road through the Cahuenga Pass to the valley. Wow. And, the, um, valley. <laughs> the valley. And he uh, financed <laughs> the building of a bank. So he centered everything, all of his development, around um, one street, uh, present-day Highland Avenue. Oh, yeah. That's a really busy street. So that, that, sounds... that became like the center of the community, which is kind of okay. weird to think about because that's where the Walk of Fame is today. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's been um, the center of the Hollywood area for a really long time. And over there by Prospect Avenue... And Mm -hmm. Highland Avenue, uh, he opened a hotel. And that hotel, um, the Hollywood Hotel, became kind of like one of the big centers of the community. A lot of people stayed there. And Mm -hmm. nowadays, that is actually the site of the Dolby Theater, where the Oscars happen. Oh, really? Oh, that's fun. See, in my head, I was picturing the Hollywood Tower Hotel, because that's what we think of being, like, old-timey and mm-hmm. fancy. And, oh, but I think that one was a little bit later, because keep in mind, yeah. we're still we're still in the aughts. <laughs> oh, we're still in the aughts. We haven't quite made it. <laughs> yep. So um, after all of that work, Hollywood was incorporated as a municipality on November 14th, 1903. So all of this development happened really, really quickly. And fun fact, 
Remember how Wilcox was a prohibitionist? Yes. So he had a lot of influence in the area. And a lot of people in the Hollywood area, Hollywood's voters, kind of adopted Mm -hmm. some of those principles. And in 1904, the voters of Hollywood actually voted to banish the sale of liquor within their town. Wow. So the prohibition happened in 1904 in Hollywood. Wow. In Hollywood. Okay. Just like Wilcox wanted. <laughs> what he always dreamed of. His, always his dreamed Puritan of. ranch land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I wonder how he would feel if he saw present day Hollywood. Oh my gosh. He's turned over his grave so many times. Oh, that, I'm like, sure. It's just a <laughs> black hole. <laughs> so in 1910... Hollywood voted to merge with the city of Los Angeles to gain the city's water supply and get access to their sewer system. Mm. They didn't really have Mm -hmm. as good of a water supply over here. And, you know, they had focused so much about having utilities um, for everybody in the area. And so the fact that Hollywood became part of L.A., it was all about the sewers. (laughs) What a lovely reason. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's better than, like, you know, doing whatever. I I always picture, like, when people don't have, like, modern day plumbing, I just immediately go to, like, Elizabethan Mm -hmm. times and people just throwing disgusting waste out the window and now, like, (laughs) picturing Hollywood Boulevard (laughs) being like that. I mean, I'm sure there was Mm -hmm. some sort of system, but yeah, absolutely, you would want access to plumbing. So Hollywood became part of the city of Los Angeles. It became its own neighborhood. And it was decided to change the main, the name of the main boulevard. So it went from Prospect Avenue to Hollywood Boulevard. Ah, there you go. And so the center of the community was Hollywood and Highland, which it yeah. still kind of is today. It's a subway stop. There's lots of popular things there. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Whole bunch of attractions. So the way that Hollywood got its name is very disputed. Um, mm-hmm. Multiple sources say multiple things. Really? Um, according, according to one story, um, after the Wilcoxes uh, moved here, um, Mr. Wilcox's wife learned that there was a town in Ohio that was called Hollywood that was oh. also named after a Dutch settlement called Hollywood. And she oh. thought that it was a pretty name. And she just kind of said, like, let's name it that. Mm -hmm. However, there are a lot of sources that that's not true. Oh, Um, all right. Another story states that H.J. Whitley came up with the name while honeymooning in the area in 1886. Oh, all right. But no one is entirely certain how the name got here. That's super interesting. Yeah, I, I thought maybe there would be some sort of natural... Like, I'm like, I don't really see holly bushes in mm-hmm. <laughs> Los Angeles or anything that would inspire that. So that's fascinating. And it's it's the stuff of legend. Legend. Now, anyway, that's the way that the uh, town and neighborhood of Hollywood came about. But you might be wondering, how did the film industry get here? We're going to back up just a little bit uh, okay. to... Um, the way that motion uh, pictures uh, first ended up being created and why they ended up uh, moving out here for production. So motion picture capture actually was born in California, but it was not in Southern California. Okay. So um, 
Back back in the 1800s, uh, people were really fascinated with motion. A lot mm-hmm. of popular toys uh, gave the illusion of motion. And so people were really curious about that. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen those like spinning toys that would have like all yeah. the different pictures that if you spun it, it would look like uh, the the horse was moving or things like yeah. that. You know what like I'm talking about? animation. Totally. Yeah. Where it's like just drawing by drawing with movement yeah. or like a flip book or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Exactly. Stuff like that. And so people were really, really fascinated with motion. And up north in Palo Alto in 1878, this guy, I'm going to butcher his name, <laughs> Edward Muybridge. Mm-hmm. It's spelled E-A-D-W-E-A-R-D-M-U-Y-B-R-I-D-G-E. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you've absolutely lost me. I have no this idea. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy, he was the first person to capture and reproduce motion. And so the way that okay. he did it was he got a bunch of still cameras in a row. I think it was about 12 of them. And he had a guy on a horse run past the cameras while each oh, yeah. camera went off one by one. And he was able to actually capture the horse and rider in motion. Wow. And you can I've actually, you can look it up yeah. online. It's it's super yeah. cool. It is really cool. But that was that was a whole bunch of cameras. People mm-hmm. were like, okay, we need to figure out how to do it with one camera. And so um, what ended up happening was a whole bunch of different inventors uh, were kind of in a big race to try to create a motion picture camera. And mm-hmm. Thomas Edison had this workshop that was doing all kinds of work. And someone in his workshop, there's a lot of evidence that it was not Ed- Edison himself but rather Mm -hmm. someone in his workshop, uh, was the first to develop the device to do this. It was called the kinetograph. Oh. Because, you know, like... Kinetic movement. Or whatever. (laughs) Kinetic Kinetic movement. Movement and then graph, like a photograph. And um, his workshop also was the first to develop the projector that would be needed um, for this kind of camera. Because, you know, you would need both. And Mm -hmm. so they called uh, that projector the kinetoscope. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. So they developed uh, these two inventions to um, film movement and then to project the movement. And so in 1894, uh, they did the world's first commercial motion picture exhibition in New York City using the kinetoscope. Imagine how cool that must have been for everyone there. Yeah, it must have been amazing. Is there any mention of the Lumiere brothers? Because I thought they were the ones that had invented the first motion camera. So there's there's a lot of controversy, actually, over who really were the first people to do a lot of these inventions. I'm sure that you've probably heard about how it's that way with a lot of other inventions. Like, there's controversy over who invented the telephone, who invented the light bulb, things like that. But a lot of the sources that I've read have given Edison's workshop the credit. Okay. But as we'll find going on, uh, Mm -hmm. things are not all fine and dandy with them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And uh, you'll see a lot of people chose to break away from uh, everything going on with Edison's workshop. Drama. Yes. So uh, since since Edison's workshop was focused on, um, was was over on the East Coast, um, Mm -hmm. of course, that's, where the motion picture industry really started. 
And so at one time, uh, the capital of the motion picture industry was New Jersey. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Weird to think about. So um, one of the, the motion picture studio that often gets credit for being the first motion picture studio was Edison's Mm. Black Maria, which was in West Orange, New Jersey, which was at the telltale end of the 19th century. And the reason that a lot of it was focused in New Jersey was because um, it's always been about the money. Land was cheaper in New Jersey than it was in New York, which uh, is going to become a big theme later on in uh, (laughs) the chronology of the development of motion pictures. So um, by the aughts, the early 1900s, Thomas Edison's Motion Picture Patents Company, which was over there in New Jersey, they held most of the motion picture patents and had a trust with all the major studios for distribution. So basically, that meant Thomas Edison's company and everyone else involved in this trust had a monopoly over every aspect of filmmaking. Oh my god! So that included the equipment, just everything. Wow. So that meant Thomas Edison's company could come after you if you tried to make a movie outside of those studios. Wow. I had no idea about any of this. <laughs> yeah. So this is like, I'm sure you've heard of the old Hollywood studio system. Oh, yeah. This was even more restrictive than that. Fucking Thomas Edison just like screwing actors over from the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is this is very uh, filmmaking was very, very corporate, very controlled. Just Im- imagine wow. how much that that would have stifled creativity. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it did from the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's oh, that's so. Oh. So there was there was pretty much no room for indie filmmaking. And um, so just over there on the East Coast in New Jersey, we have these, I think it was like four studios that have Mm -hmm. this trust with Thomas Edison's company. They're making their projects and pretty much no one else is allowed to do this. And so um, because of these patents, anyone else who tried to make films could get sued and the Mm -hmm. great film patent war started. So, you know, people would try to be all sneaky, make their little film, and the agents of Edison's company would come over and shut them down and sue them for a bunch of money. It was very (laughs) bad. So anyone who tries to make films outside of this trust can get sued, and agents of Edison's company could come and seize the cameras and all the work Mm -hmm. and everything. And so um, the filmmakers wanted to be able to be creative without restrictions, so a lot of them decided to move out west because oh. if they went west, Edison's people were less likely to hear about what they were doing. <laughs> and this is the best part of all. If Edison's people did end up coming after them, it would take them so long to cross the country that all you had to do was just trot down like five hours into Mexico and go hide out until Edison's people <laughs> left. 
That is fantastic. That just, what I'm picturing is like, you know, like a cartoon map of the United States with like little dotted lines going across. (laughs) And then like these cartoon like thugs show up with baseball bats ready to smash Mm -hmm. all of your experimental camera equipment (laughs) just because you want to make a movie. (laughs) I know. So Hollywood was the original guerrilla filmmaking, (laughs) basically. (laughs) I love that. Okay. And so for people who don't know, guerrilla filmmaking is when you don't have a permit and you just take a camera and start filming outside because in order to film in Los Angeles and I would say like most like public places across the country you have to have a permit so they call it like guerrilla filmmaking like it's guerrilla warfare it's so intense but it's like what most youtubers do because mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i've done it before <laughs> oh, we all have come on everybody has at some point if they they make their own projects so so we have all these guerrilla filmmakers over here and the um the great patent wars with edison's company that was not the only reason that people ended up coming over here now, um, over on the East Coast, as you may be familiar with, Kelsey and mm-hmm. listeners, there is a lot more rainfall, a lot oh, more indeed. snowfall. And what is L.A. known for? Sunshine. 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 <laughs> I mean, there's so much sun that, that the first number of La La Land is another day of sun. Yep. And, and it's not wrong. You- and you know what was very expensive back then? Electricity and lights. Ooh. So if you come to a place with lots of sun, you don't have to spend as much on lights. There you so, go. Makes it a lot cheaper. And also, while you're here, not only do you have the great weather and all the sun, it's easy to shoot outside. And mm-hmm. you're also close to a lot of different landscapes. Within just yeah. a couple of hours, you got the beach, the hills, the forest, grassland, desert. And also, there's a lot of different architectural styles here. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of fake things for being, I wouldn't say anywhere in the world, but for a lot of different places in the world. Mm-hmm. But that's part of why I love it when I watch things that are supposed to take place somewhere else and I watch and I'm like, I know where that is in Los Angeles. <laughs> right. Speaking of like, hey, that's right next to Cahuenga Boulevard. I know mm-hmm. that. You're not fooling me. Mm-hmm. Which is why it also cracks me up when I watch things that take place in Los Angeles that are very obviously not here. <laughs> like I've been watching Julie and the Phantoms right now and they oh. keep being like, Hollywood, Hollywood, LA, Los Feliz. And I'm like, that's Vancouver. <laughs> it's been cracking me up so much (laughs) i haven't heard of that many places doing like faking la for somewhere else because you would think it would just be cheaper to do it here it's like Mm -mm. okay well no let's get this potted palm tree out on the streets of vancouver (laughs) no la is actually becoming one of the one of the most expensive places to shoot right now uh, and that's a depressing topic we won't is, go into now. <laughs> that's a topic for another episode. <laughs> another time, another episode. One of the other reasons that people decided to move over here was because land prices were also low here. At the yeah. time, it was much, much cheaper uh, to get land in the Los Angeles or Hollywood area than it was on the East Coast. So if you if you want to do some low-budget indie guerrilla filmmaking, this was a great place to go. And so <laughs> um, L.A. quickly became the capital of the U.S. film industry. 
Mm. And what time, what like year are we at at this point? So right now we are at approximately 1908. Because right now okay, I'm going to wow. go into um, some of the early films that were That's shot even here. sooner than I thought it would be. I assumed it was more like the 1920s is when. Oh, by um, the 20s, they were in the golden age. <laughs> okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So um, the first film to actually be completed in Hollywood was 1908's The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh. Now uh, that film, though can't entirely get credit for being the first film in Hollywood because production of the film began in Chicago. Oh, okay. But it was the first to be completed here. And the first one to escape Edison's thugs of baseball (laughs) bats. And (laughs) Now, um, the big move uh, that really, really made a lot of filmmakers come here, you can can almost entirely credit – Uh, the movement of uh, filmmakers to the West Coast uh, to the director D.W. Griffith. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I have, um, yeah. D.W. Griffith, he actually came to California in 1910. Mm -hmm. He was a director, I believe he mostly focused on theater uh, back Mm -hmm. in the East Coast. He had an acting troupe. And fun fact, his acting troupe actually included uh, Mary Pickford and Lionel Barrymore. Before they were big Hollywood stars. Oh, that's really cute. And so he came out here with his ragtag group of actors. (laughs) And he was like, okay, we're going to be artistes. We're going to make something different from what we got to make on the East Coast. And he made the first motion picture shot entirely in Hollywood. And it was called Old California. Now, it was not a feature film. It was a short film. It was okay. 17 minutes long. But was what was really interesting about it was that it was about California's heritage. It was about the mm. days when California belonged to Mexico. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So there was a lot of Mexican and Spanish influence in the film. And so um, D.W. Griffith, he was like, this is such a great place. No one's telling me what to do. And so... During the the year or so that he was here, he just cranked out short film after short film after short film. He made a whole bunch of them. And he was like, I just love it when people don't tell me what to do and when I don't have to pay a lot of money. (laughs) And so he made a whole bunch of projects. And then he went back to the East Coast. And he was like, look, everybody, at all the stuff I made. And so everybody kept watching. And they were like, how did you afford to make all of these films like this is amazing Mm -hmm. look at the settings just this this looks like such a great place and so everybody was so impressed with everything dw griffith created that they all decided to come to the west coast too Ah. all these people start coming out west and so um most of the major film work that started in the la area was around 1912 that's when a lot of artists were over here a lot of filmmakers Mm -hmm. And so the first studio in Hollywood was the Nestor Company. And it was founded um, on the corner of Sunset and Gower in 1911. Is that like the Sunset Gower Studios? Exactly. That's oh where. My gosh. Well, it's it's not exactly the Sunset Gower Studios, but it is. Okay. That is where it it was. That's where it was. Oh, yeah, gosh, that's that's, so cool. that's where Nate worked that. on on oh, a show yeah, for a long yeah. time. Was at Sunset I there Gower Studios 
once too. I can't even remember what the project was, but yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're just these adorable little studios that you wouldn't even necessarily know are studios, Mm -hmm. but that's so fun that they have so much history. I had no idea. Yeah. I don't believe that any of the original buildings are still there, but that is the site of where it was. Right across the street is where I get my hair cut. (laughs) (laughs) So I've I've been to that area uh, very, very often. So So Natalia's um, hair has history there. Hollywood (laughs) filmmaking has history there. It's just a really special place. Mm -hmm. It really is. And so um, the Nestor Company, which was over there, the original... uh, the original studio here in Hollywood would later on merge with Universal Studios. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, that makes um, sense. So they ended up, you know, kind of sticking around. Universal, yeah. as we know, is a... Yeah, I've heard of well. them. Yeah. Like, a couple times. You yeah, know. you might There's have heard minion. of them. There's a minion that, like, haunts me when I go shopping at Ralph's. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> they're still around. <laughs> yep, they're still around. So um, the first feature-length film shot entirely in Hollywood, because mind you, um, these other projects that are being shot are all shorts. But mm-hmm. um, the first feature-length film shot entirely in Hollywood was called The Squaw Man. Oh. I, have you heard oh, of it? Oh, yes, I have. And yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. It, it is not politically correct by any means. There, that's, a, that's an ongoing theme with a lot of these projects. <laughs> it was a different time. Just, it was a different just time. white people coming in and <laughs> making whatever culture on screen. Mm-hmm. I was thinking earlier, too, when you mentioned the, um, about, like, old California. Old I was California, like, I bet yeah. there weren't, I bet they, those were all white actors. Yeah. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they were all white actors. Yeah. But um so The Squaw Man was made in 1914 and it was a silent western drama film. A lot of these early films were westerns. Yeah, and, that makes sense. And this one was directed by Cecil B. DeMille. Oh. So you you probably him. heard of him. He's very much Once considered uh, one of the fathers of of cinema. Yeah. And uh, it was DeMille's directorial debut and it was shot in a barn. That is uh, one block from present-day Hollywood and Vine. Oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. So um, the place where the barn was is really mm-hmm. close to um, modern-day uh, Sunset and Vine. And okay. if you've ever seen the Chase Bank that's over there yeah. on that corner, that's where the barn was. Oh, interesting. And the barn actually has been moved. You can still visit the barn. It's oh. located across the street from the present-day Hollywood Bowl. Oh, And it's part of the Hollywood Heritage Museum. Did he shoot it in a barn, like, instead of, like, is that what they used instead of a soundstage at that point? Like, they So um, the barn, I believe, was um, one of the settings in the film. Okay, okay. That makes more sense because I was like, a barn is not going to be very good for mm-hmm. filmmaking. It seems like it would be really hot and not quiet. Yeah. yeah, but the sadly that film um, has not entirely survived. So oh, really? We I don't believe we can watch it in its entirety anymore. Entirety? Wow. Not that I think anyone really would, but no, I know. I mean, historically, it's important and it's relevant to see what <laughs> just because there's no cultural sensitivity at the beginning of filmmaking when it comes to marginalized communities so mm-hmm. I, I it's important to have for historical aspects but i don't yes. know that anybody is looking for it entertainment wise like exactly oh, my favorite film yeah yeah i don't think anyone's like hey let's have a movie night and watch the squaw man like i don't, I don't think anyone's <laughs> yeah. doing that but 
Yeah. I don't know. So um, (laughs) the Squaw Man is actually very historically significant for why Hollywood ended up becoming the center of the entertainment industry. Oh, okay. So um, DeMille was originally going to shoot the movie in Flagstaff, Arizona. Oh. And so he was traveling over to Flagstaff. He had traveled from the East Coast. Weather had been really bad on the East Coast. He got to Flagstaff. And the weather was even worse than it was on the East Coast. And so he was like, I can't do this here. And so he continued moving west and weather was better in Hollywood. And um, DeMille went on to joke for decades afterwards uh, that if the weather had been better in Flagstaff, um, then Hollywood would probably now be in Arizona. Wow. That's fascinating to think about. So, like, mm-hmm. he, yeah, he he never intended it to be filmed in Hollywood, but he mm-hmm. just ended up. That's that's really interesting. So, um, one of the other reasons that Demille ended up wanting to move over here, which is not a very positive reason, oh, this also attracted a lot of other filmmakers. Was over on the East Coast, a lot of workers were in unions. Uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, they, they were in unions so that they could have, you know, things like proper working conditions and, and livable wages, you know, right. stuff like that. And, you know, if you come here, you don't have to deal with any unions. <laughs> you can pay people very, very little. They can Get work all for dirt the scabs cheap. you want. Exactly. So, um, the industry moved here so they could exploit a large number of workers cool (laughs) (laughs) so um it continued so as films became higher quality and needed more skilled workers they continued wanting to stay here so they could keep their costs low because Mm. costs were important that's kind of what i feel like is happening in atlanta because like Mm -hmm. the minimum wage there is so much lower than it's like half the minimum wage of here yeah, which is why a lot of people are leaving Los Angeles. and it, mm-hmm. But it's just such a bummer to know that, like, that's what's driving, like, film production and art is because they don't want to actually pay people properly. But mm-hmm. exactly. that's so weird that that's how it started here. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then now people are leaving Los Angeles for the same reason. Right. Yeah. That's why a lot of productions are moving to Georgia, to New Mexico, to Vancouver. So they can do the mm-hmm. same thing. Vancouver, Canada, for all my Vancouver friends listening. <laughs> Good point, Kelsey. Good point. And um, when working on The Squaw Man, uh, DeMille actually noted that the wages for carpenters and other service personnel were 25 to 50% cheaper than on the East Coast. Wow. Sounds yeah. a lot like comparison to here in Atlanta. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So dollars and cents. Sorry, that was terrible. (laughs) No problem. So (laughs) after after making the lovely uh, feature film, The Squaw Man in 1914, another big groundbreaking feature film was made here in Hollywood that also has not aged very well. It was directed by D.W. Griffith and it was called Birth of a Nation. And it was made (sighs) in 1915. Now, before we talk about all the ways it has not aged well, (laughs) I do want to say that that was the film that pretty much set all of the industry standards for filmmaking. Yeah, And it was incredibly groundbreaking with special effects. It it set the standards. It really did. It's very Mm -hmm. historically significant, but oh boy, has it not aged well. (laughs) 
Oh, it's more cringeworthy than like <laughs> most things you can see. Like it's there is uh blackface and the demonization of just African Americans and black people in general. Mm-hmm. It's it's real horrible. Set back a lot of cultural movements. Um not that they were in necessarily a great place other than slavery had been abolished by that time. I mean, even though there were some parts in Texas. Anyway, that's a different history lesson. But mm-hmm. the point being if you're going to seek out a birth of a nation and like, oh, this is like the most historical film that set the standards, you need to be aware of all of yeah, these Yeah, just things. watch it from, from that lens, considering, yeah. considering that it set standards for the industry, but it has not aged well. No. Now, um, one way that the industry also evolved, and this, w- this was a positive thing, was in 1918, just a few years later, Thomas Edison's motion picture patent company ended up folding because a court decided that his trust was illegal. And so that created a huge mainstream filmmaking boom. Wouldn't you think? Doesn't that make total sense? It makes total sense. And that what time, what year was that around? 1918. 1918. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you see a lot of films that come out in like mm-hmm. the twenties for sure. Yeah. So Hollywood became the main neighborhood for filmmaking and that's where four of the major studios uh, started. And the four main ones in Hollywood were Paramount Pictures, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, RKO mm-hmm. and Columbia. So all of oh, those yeah. were founded in Hollywood And there were um, multiple smaller studios, rental houses, other industry facilities. So Hollywood really became uh, the center of all of that filmmaking. Yeah. And I feel like Paramount is the one that's like, uh, other than like the Sunset Gower location you were talking about, I think Paramount is still the oldest running um, studio that's like on its original lot in Hollywood. Yeah, it's the longest uh, standing main studio. Of, like, the big studios that's still in its original location. And that's part of why it's so cool to tour it. Yeah, I definitely recommend touring You see all the old buildings. I used to work on a show that shot at Paramount. That was one of my favorite things about it was just how much history is over there. It's super neat, yeah. So um, one of my favorite things about um, the start of this era of history, the start of the birth of these studios, Mm -hmm. is... Yeah, we've talked about some of these tone-deaf things that um, happened in films (laughs) of the time. But this particular time was so important to the internationalism of Hollywood because of who was leading, who led these studios. Now, um, while the industry was new, a lot of immigrants, especially Jewish immigrants, started to work in the industry and a whole bunch of Jewish immigrants actually founded many of the major studios. Oh, that's I was awesome. fascinated when learning about this. Yeah, I um, didn't know that. Have you heard of Samuel Goldwyn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a leader of Paramount, eventually Goldwyn Pictures, Samuel Goldwyn Productions, born oh, to Hasidic Jewish parents in Poland. Wow. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've that's heard really of Fox, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone knows Fox. <laughs> yeah. That's that's where I watch Family Guy and The Simpsons. <laughs> now. And Bob's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch Bob's Burgers, but I know a lot I of people know. really like it. <laughs> I love it so much. With my, I love Family Guy and The Simpsons, too. But mm-hmm. Bob's Burgers just has my whole heart. Now, 
wouldn't you know, Fox is actually named for a guy named William Fox, who was a Hungarian Jewish immigrant. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> Fascinating, right? Yeah. The founder of Universal, Carl Lemeli. I am probably saying his name wrong. German mm-hmm. Jewish immigrant. Wow. So it's not even like from the same countries. Like we've mm-hmm. got Poland, we've got Germany, we've got Hungar- uh, Hungary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One wow. of the founders of Paramount, Adolf Zukor, Hungarian Jewish immigrant. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. And Louis B. Mayer, I'm sure you've heard of him, Metro Goldwyn Mayer. Yeah. Born yeah. to Jewish parents in present day Ukraine. Wow. All over. And then MGM went on to be the most successful studio in old Hollywood. How fascinating is that? That's that's really fascinating. So I'm sure you've heard of the Warner Brothers. Absolutely. Harry, Albert, Samuel, and Jack Warner. They were born to a Polish Jewish family that mostly spoke Yiddish. Wow. Wow. And so some of the brothers were born in Poland and some were born in Canada. Wow. Okay. Like all over. How how insane is that? They they went on to found Warner Brothers. And like yeah. these studios are still around. And I, oh, I feel yeah. like we think of all of this um Hollywood as being, you know, so so American, but really mm-hmm. from the beginning these these studios had so much internationalism. Immigrants, they get the job done. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I just I, I find all of this so so fascinating. Yeah, I do too. I had absolutely no idea. Yeah, I I just love it. So we have all of these people moving here, all of these different artists from all over the world. They're all congregating here to to make art almost unrestricted right now at this point. And so by the 1920s, uh, so-called Hollywood, the entertainment industry, the film industry Mm -hmm. here, it was the fifth largest industry in the United States. Wow. Think of how fast that was. They only made the first feature film here in 1914. Yeah, that's that's crazy fast. Especially like, I mean, of course, everybody knows the internet doesn't exist at that time, but mm-hmm. we take it for granted so much. Like information, it takes so long for information to reach people at this point. And so it just keeps growing and growing. And wow. by the 30s, the 1930s, virtually all filmmaking in the U.S. was happening in the L.A. area. And Hollywood was producing over 600 films a year. Wow. That's a lot for that time That period. is a fast, fast growth of industry. And of course, by yeah. that point, there was the integrated studio system and the major studios were producing, distributing, and exhibiting the films. But we'll learn more about that in a future episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. we got so much stuff for you guys to learn. Mm-hmm. So, Kelsey, <laughs> do you feel like you learned some stuff? I know I learned some stuff. Oh, my gosh. Good job on all that research. Yeah, I love learning about all of that. That's so I I absolutely no idea about the Thomas Edison monopoly on Mm -hmm. filmmaking that that's probably the thing. I mean, other than like all of these Jewish immigrants that founded like the biggest studio Mm -hmm. systems in Los Angeles in the world, really, you know, the the fact that they started i mean like i knew that they were guys names but i just in my head i was picturing just your average like anglo-saxon european Mm -hmm. white man not necessarily like jewish immigrants so that's really Mm -hmm. awesome that's really awesome yeah thank you for doing all of that work natalia you've taught me a lot and i know you've taught (laughs) our listeners a whole bunch too even if they 
you know, if you have a passing interest in film or Hollywood or how it started or a passing interest in Los Angeles, like, I don't know how you could not be like wrapped with attention at everything that you you've told me today. Yeah, well, I feel like I feel like almost everybody uh, watches TV or watches films and I feel mm-hmm. like it's almost become a cultural universal in this this yeah. era in history. And I feel like so few of us uh, think about how it all actually started, especially right. considering it's an art form that really hasn't been around that long. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is um, funny to think about like how it really isn't that old of an art form. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sometimes it can be hard to kind of judge those kinds of things, depending on what generation you grew up in. I remember asking my grandma if she watched Lassie as a girl and she laughed mm-hmm. and was like, no, TV didn't exist. And my like little five-year-old brain was like, what? Mm-hmm. But to know that film is still such a new medium mm-hmm. when it comes to art history yeah. is, yeah, I think it is, like, you're right. It's really important to know like where it comes from. And, and it also reminds us that a lot of these industries, especially anything involved with tech, can, can evolve so, so quickly. And so even yeah. during our own lifetimes, um, evolutions yeah. of the same speed or even faster are happening. Right. Like to think that a camera, like when we were born, was just this huge clunky thing that eventually got smaller to like... If you don't have a phone with a camera in it that can record HD, like 1080p, like, are you even living in the modern world? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just in a span of, like, 30 years or less, you know? It's Mm -hmm. just, it's amazing. It's it's incredible. So we want to thank you for listening today and for learning a little bit more about the history of Los Angeles. And we look forward to doing more episodes on the history of the film industry and other topics of L.A. history. And we hope that you all have a wonderful day. Just a reminder, the content of this podcast is based on our own opinions and personal experiences and may not reflect the opinions and experiences of all Angelinos. Music by Leo Jackson. Artwork by Trevor D. Richardson. Additional research by Natalia Raymond. And edited by me, Kelsey Ryder. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Angelinos in Training and on Twitter at Angelinos Pod. Want us to cover a specific topic about LA? Email us at Angelinos in Training at gmail.com. <laughs>